0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Hyperlipidemia is extremely common in the United States. And fortunately, we have multiple pharmacologic agents which are very effective in treating this condition and improving our patient's lipid profile. Yet there are patients who have elevated lipids but don't meet the criteria for pharmacologic therapy, and other patients who don't tolerate the medications we commonly prescribe. So what are the alternative treatments available for managing lipids and how effective are they? How do they compare with pharmacologic therapy? We'll discuss these issues and more with our guest, Dr. Steven Kopetsky, a specialist in preventive cardiology. You're listening to Mail Clinic Talks. Steve, welcome and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Daryl. Great to be here.
0: How effective are non-pharmacologic treatments compared to our medications for lowering? We'll stick with the LDL cholesterol for now.
1: Yeah. Oh, very good question. You know, we are humans, and we're all different. And part of our difference is how well we absorb cholesterol in our gut. So the average absorption is about fifty-four percent, but the range is twenty to eighty. So if you're an eighty percent absorber that may really make a difference to take some foods, some supplements that will reduce that absorption. And we don't have a way of knowing that because we don't do fecal cholesterol absorption tests other than just give you some of the substances, recheck lipids in a few months and uh, see how it goes.
0: I had a patient this morning, in fact, who um, had an LDL cholesterol of 150 something and was really opposed to starting a medication. So I took his diet history and he had red meats about seven, eight times a week, lots of dairy products, uh, lots of trans fats, processed foods, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of apologized for his terrible diet. And I said, actually, that's great because I got something to work with here. You, know, yeah. you can really make an effect on your LDL, whereas somebody who comes in with already close to optimal diet, you don't have a lot of room for improvement.
1: Very true. And you know what's happened in the last few years, there have been reports that eating cholesterol is okay, it doesn't change your serum cholesterol. And that's probably true. But what they didn't say in the report is that there are so many other saturated fats that we eat, the animal products processed to meats and such, they raise our cholesterol, but they're not cholesterol foods, so to speak. They're saturated fat food, but we eat a lot of them.
0: Actually, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but that brings up an interesting question. What about eggs? They were kind of on our naughty list for a while. Are, Are they okay now?
1: Well, eggs, you know, it's been shown a couple of them, like three egg yolks a week are okay. A yolk has about the maximum, the daily allotted amount of cholesterol that we should have. So, but egg whites are great sources of protein. Eggs are cheap. I tell folks, if you want to eat eggs, that's fine. They eat as many egg whites as you want, but to only have about three egg yolks a week.
0: Okay. All right. What kind of beneficial effects can we see with the lipids? as a result of weight loss. And how, how much weight do you have to lose to see any effect? Yeah.
1: You know, for your LDL cholesterol, you don't get much benefit from weight loss per se, especially if you lose weight by eating a keto diet. In fact, we have numerous patients that have been eating keto, have lost 25, 30 pounds, but their cholesterol has shot through the root. I've
0: seen that many times. I suspect that's because a lot of their diet now is meat yeah, I've seen the LDL cholesterol go extremely high from these keto diets, and uh, it seems like there's a new fad diet almost every couple of years, and uh, hard to deal with them all. Yeah, so true. So what effect can we see from exercise? What does exercise do? Does it improve the LDL, improve the HDL, triglycerides? What do we see from exercise?
1: Triglycerides can come down quickly with exercise hdl can go up slowly with exercise now triglycerides we want to have lower so it's good they go down hdl is the reverse cholesterol transport agent so we want that to go up when i say quickly you know patients i've had daryl that uh, come in for a stress test they get blood work in the morning they get a stress test i see them in the afternoon and their triglycerides were high and i'll say gee you did this stress test you walk for eight minutes on the treadmill let's send you back to the lab and see what happened to your triglycerides. Well, they dropped from 200 down to 120 just with eight minutes on the treadmill. And that's been shown in in randomized controlled trials too. That exercise is great for lowering triglycerides. The other thing is avoid the ultra processed carbs, especially the deadly whites, the white rice, the white bread, the white potatoes, the white pasta, which will make triglycerides go up. HDL is different. HDL, it takes longer to go up Vigorous exercise with intervals is better than continuous exercise, like walking, to raise your HDL. It's genetically determined how quickly it goes up. Some people get a rise in just a few weeks. Others take a few months. Another thing that really helps raise your HDL is stopping smoking. It will go up in just about six weeks.
0: Now, how about the relationship from HDL and triglycerides? I, I've seen patients who have a very high triglycerides and their HDL is low, and they're able to drop their triglycerides, their HDL comes up. Is that a true increase or is that a matter of calculation or what's happening there?
1: No, that that really is a real increase in two ways. It's beneficial. You know, it's part of what we call metabolic syndrome, which is to have high triglycerides, low HDL, increased abdominal girth, high blood pressure, and then high blood sugar. And so when you do lower your triglycerides and raise your HDL, That's a real effect. And the second thing that happens is you lower your triglycerides. When they're high, they tend to make the LDL or the low-density cholesterol much more atherogenic or more likely to cause plaque. And so lowering the triglycerides helps in a couple of ways. It raises the good and lowers the LDL cholesterol.
0: Okay. Let's go back to exercise just a little bit. What about the duration or intensity of exercise? What should we be telling our patients to do to improve
1: their lipid profile? Anything that they feel that they can do. And there's a great quote by Albert Einstein. If you judge a fish by how well it climbs a tree, he will think he's stupid the rest of his life. The point is, whatever you want to do, whatever you're good at, whatever you enjoy, whatever you can do safely, don't do an exercise that's going to hurt your knee or hurt your hip. We're not made to run and pounding can cause some troubles with knees, hips, ankles, back. So, you know, bikes are good, ellipticals are good, whatever you have available to you, anything is better than nothing and just start with something, a few minutes, it doesn't matter to me. And if you're really busy and who isn't these days, do intervals where you go hard for say 30 or 60 seconds, slow down and get your breath back, go hard again. That's been shown to increase fitness in just 30 minutes a week. Doing it on a regular basis as compared to walking for 45 minutes, uh, three times, you know, an hour and a half a week. So, if you're busy, be smart about how you exercise. I have a
0: handful, not that many, really compliant patients, and they really do what I recommend they do for their health. And when I tell them to exercise, they want an amount. So, if I can tell them to do anything, they probably will. So, what should I tell them? How much? duration of exercise should I have them do, and how many times a week?
1: Yes, you ought to do exercise every 48 hours. There's genetic evidence that it keeps the, the good genes turned on to suppress some of the bad genes, doing it every 48 hours. Secondly, there's this question is, what exercise is too much? Well, probably over about 10 hours a week of vigorous exercise, you just don't get any more benefit. It's not clear if you hurt yourself, but you just don't get benefit. But clearly, anything is good. Probably you hit the the low point in terms of the lowest event rate or heart attack rate at about uh, two and a half to three hours a week. Okay. And
0: how about the difference between aerobic exercise and resistance training?
1: We do need both. Uh, Aerobic is what we've been doing on this earth for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. Usually intervals, which is what we've done. Short bursts as compared to long running episodes. But we've also done some lifting, some resistance exercise, but we don't need to do real heavy weights. In fact, that's probably works against us. If you see the guys that, you know, pump iron and do 600 pound weight lifts, their blood pressure goes to 400 during that weight lift. And that's way too high. And that gets them into trouble later in life. So just do lighter weights with more repetitions to resistance and fatigue of your muscles and then rest and do it again. Okay. Well, let's change...
0: From exercise to diet, let's say we have a patient who needs to lower their LDL cholesterol. They don't want to start a medication. What should we, we be
1: recommending in terms of their diet? What should they be eating? What should they not be eating? Excellent question. The uh, ultra-processed foods, especially ultra-processed meats, you know, the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the foods, sausages, and things like that, really has a lot of fat in it that will raise our cholesterol. The keto diet will raise it. So we try to get patients more migrating to a, what we call Mediterranean fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, things like that. There are also supplements that people can take that are either the foods you eat or you buy them over the counter. Oatmeal is very good. It's one of the three viscous soluble fibers that will lower cholesterol. The other is psyllium, which is sold as a additive to water that you drink. It helps your digestion, helps your, your bowel movements. It also helps lower cholesterol and lower blood sugar. And the fiber is very good for you. Another thing that's very helpful is uh, something called stanols and sterols. And they are found in naturally occurring substances like uh, soybeans, but you'd have to eat a couple of bushels of soybeans a day, which we obviously can't do. So you buy them as supplements. And you have them in the food or in your gut when you eat the food. You can get them as pills. You can buy them as chews. My wife likes to get the ones that are little, like uh, fake chocolates, and she chews choose them after a supper. If you're a high absorber of cholesterol, as we talked earlier, they can be very helpful and very effective in lowering your cholesterol.
0: I think they've added those uh, to orange juice. And uh, I think there's a spread also, a, a margarine-like spread that contains stanols. You can find them in multiple places. You're right. Mm, yeah. So what about fish? And is there a difference between eating fish and Fish oil capsules. Yeah.
1: Eating fish studies have shown consistently that eating a couple of three servings, you know, three ounces of fish uh, two or three times a week is really helpful for you. Mm-hmm. However, if you try to put that it into a pill and just take the pill, again, a pill does not replace a lifestyle. So the pills haven't been as successful. You can lower triglycerides some with higher dose fish oil, but even that hasn't been shown to reduce your heart attack rate, things like that. So really, we do suggest to people to keep trying to eat fish. It doesn't have to be fish per se. It could be shellfish, you know, mollusks, uh, scallops, shrimp, things like that.
0: And not fish that is deep fried.
1: Please know, and <laughs> you take it easy on the tartar sauce. Right. <laughs> well,
0: I have found triglycerides are probably the easiest of the three uh, types of lipids to uh lower with diet. What kind of diet should we be recommending our patients who have a problem with elevated triglycerides?
1: First, try to get them off the processed carbohydrates. And remember, all alcohol is a processed carbohydrate, you know, a drink a day. Uh, More than that, you'll clearly get into trouble with high triglycerides potentially. The white rice, anybody, a human to absorb and get nutrition from a rice, the rice has to be processed. To take the fiber and the whole off. The grains, the processed grains, you know, the breakfast cereals, things like that. White potatoes, white bread, white pasta. We got to be careful with all those. You know, little bit amounts are okay. You know, maybe a serving a day and a serving is a small amount, you know, an ounce of, of pasta. But uh, take it easy on the larger amounts. And then try to go more fiber, you know, which means more whole grains, more fruits, more vegetables. More legumes in the winter up here. You can get frozen vegetables, flash frozen. They have one third of the price and three times as much nutrition as a green bean, say, picked in Southern Hemisphere three weeks ago and then shipped up to our store. The flash frozen things can be very good, both fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So try to get away from the the highly processed carbs and try to get more fiber and uh, and fruits and veggies in your diet. All right.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, fish oil capsules a little while ago. What about other supplements? Is there anything out there that really can be taken to lower
1: LDL cholesterol? Well, there is red yeast rice, which is a yeast that grows on rice, and it can be effective. The issue is that it basically has a statin-type compound in it. And a couple of things about the the -the over-the-counter is it's not regulated by the FDA, so we don't know what's in it as compared to the statin. And secondly, there's other things. We don't know the dose or any other contaminants that may be in it. So if patients want to take red yeast rice, I'll say that's fine, but you know, maybe cheaper to get a generic cheap statin. And secondly, you know exactly the dose and exactly what's in it. There are other things that are out there. Foods, you know, apples have pectin in them. They will help lower cholesterol. There are a lot of foods that are purported to lower cholesterol you know, garlic and some things like that. They never really have been shown to be that helpful. Uh, I don't think they hurt you, but don't think it's gonna be a you know a shield of protection. You can eat whatever else you want.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, unlike triglycerides, which I have found relatively easy to modify if the patient is compliant, HDL cholesterol is really tough. It's really tough to increase your HDL cholesterol. What has been effective in raising your HDL?
1: Boy, HDL, we like it higher because it is involved in reverse cholesterol transport, being in the cholesterol back from the cells to the liver so it can be repurposed in our body. Physical activity is probably the best single way we have of raising that. And the more vigorous, the more it will raise it and the quicker it will raise it. Stopping smoking will help it. Losing a few pounds can help it. Also eating a healthier diet, getting away from some of the uh, processed foods and heavy meats and heavy uh, saturated fat foods can help us. It's genetically determined how well, how quickly you'll go up with your HDL. But it's really something that you get more bang for your buck. Meaning, just raising your HDL one milligram per deciliter, one point, will give you better outcomes, less heart attack rates, etc., than lowering your LDL one point. Does mm-hmm. this- alcohol have any either beneficial or
0: harmful effects to HDL? Does it change it at all?
1: You know, it does. uh, In most people, uh, small amounts can raise it. It only takes about three ounces of wine to really do that or the equivalent in the other alcoholic beverages. So it's not much. I mean, and it raises the good type of HDL. The other thing that's interesting, Daryl, is some genetic studies have shown that if you're born with a high HDL, like over 80, it actually is not beneficial and may be harmful. Because HDL does a lot of things in our body, not just the reverse cholesterol transport. So you may have a genetic clone of one that does some of the other things like fights infection or tumor, or it does endothelial, which is the wall of the artery uh, maintenance. And in that case, it doesn't do the reverse cholesterol transport. So if it's really high from birth, it's not as protective. In fact, it may actually be harmful as we once thought.
0: Now, that's interesting. And I have had some patients, usually women who uh, have had an HDL of even over 110, 115, sure. so they may not be getting a super protective effect from that.
1: Very true. In fact, I've told many patients, uh, women primarily in my career, oh, your HDL is over 100. Don't worry. They've gone out of their way, Daryl, to find me You know, 20 years later and say, <laughs> I had a stroke or I had a heart attack and you told me that wouldn't happen. And I said, well, our knowledge has changed in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Since lipid-lowering medications are so effective in uh, improving our lipid profile, do we still need to do lifestyle changes?
1: Boy, do we ever. The uh, studies have shown that if you don't eat healthy, that the statins don't help you nearly as much. In fact, you can have good numbers on your cholesterol, but your heart attack rate doesn't change. So we have to continue to be healthy with our lifestyle And it's just small amounts can really be beneficial to us. I tell patients, you know, if you want to go to your family reunion and eat your Aunt Mary's potato salad, eat a big bunch of it. That's fine. But just don't eat it every day. (laughs) Eat just once every few years for the family reunion. You know, don't go to the state fair and eat fried butter on a stick. You know, you can walk by (laughs) the booth and look at them, but don't don't eat it.
0: Well, Steve, let's wrap up our discussion. I'm going to ask you to summarize it, maybe you have two or three key points regarding the alternative treatments to uh, improve our lipid profile.
1: First is we do have food supplements you can eat like stanols and sterols, uh, oat bran, psyllium fiber, that can be very helpful if you're a high absorber to lower your cholesterol. Second is lifestyle is really important, although it may not lower your cholesterol per se, the physical activity, taking care of the other issues, stress, sleep, et cetera, can be very helpful. And then finally, there are certain foods that will clearly raise cholesterol, our saturated fats and cholesterol-rich foods. We're talking mainly about saturated fat meats and such, keto diet. You really have to be careful with that because we've seen patients have markedly elevated cholesterol levels secondary to that.
0: Well, We've been discussing alternative therapies for hyperlipidemia with preventive cardiologist Dr. Steven Kopetsky from the Mayo Clinic. Steve, I have always considered you one of our premier educators. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today.
1: I'm honored to be here.
0: Thank you, Darrell. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mail Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.